Welcome to the Bad Roman Podcast. On this show, we talk with veterans, community leaders, Christians, and non-Christians as we explore the entanglement of Christians with the state. The Bad Roman Project was created out of the firm belief that as Christians, we are called to follow Christ, not the state. Here is your host, Craig Hargis. Hey, folks. We talk an awful lot about the anarchy we see in the Bible, and we have discovered along the way that you can find it all through Scripture. But can it be found in the Book of Mormon? This is a topic we haven't touched on yet, but today this is exactly what we're going to do to talk about. Casey Perez joins me to discuss his time in the Mormon Church and his writings on anarchy in the Book of Mormon. Let's go. Yeah. Left, right, left, right, left. We got our marching right, orders, man. Left, right, left, right. Would you rather left, serve God than serve right, Caesar? You left, know me? Right. I'm just trying to live. Casey, how are you doing? I'm doing fine. Thank you for having me. So you reached out to me after the first Larkin Rose episode. And I that 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 episode understandably got a lot of traction with people because you know everybody knows Larkin, especially in these circles. And what was amazing to me is the feedback I was getting from non-Christians. People who are anarchists but don't really take to heart the, the, the Christian side of it because, you know, the whole no masters, no gods, no rulers thing. And it was refreshing the messages I was getting from non-Christians because they were excited to hear what the Bad Roman Podcast is doing, what we're talking about with the project as Christians, as anarchists, because we're not your normal Christians. And so I was excited to, to read your email. And then you sent some stuff that you'd written on uh, anarchy in the Book of Mormon. And I found it fascinating. It's like I told you before we started recording. I I know nothing about the Book of Mormon. I'm completely ignorant to it. I'm and judging by just our you know a few minutes talking before we started recording. I feel like you can carry a conversation. So I'm going to lean on you pretty heavily during the show to kind of explain this stuff to me and to the listener because I think the va- I'm not saying there's not other Mormons that don't listen to us. I know there are some but the vast majority are not Mormons. So I think this is going to be an interesting topic and it's something that we've not touched on yet. And that's what I like to do. I like to bring in different perspectives on the show because it makes, keeps the podcast fresh. You know, if you keep saying, talking about the same thing over and over and over, like you can listen to the podcast. You're like, I've heard this before. I've heard this before. I've heard this before. Well, you don't get that with the bad Roman podcast. And I think that's something we're pretty proud of. You know, we're trying to meet people where they're at, you know, the, the book of Mormon is foreign to me. I'm excited you're here, and I hope you're excited to be here as well. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's actually my first time doing a podcast, so, you know, the nerves are, are kind of going. But um, I was a, a teacher teaching English as a speak, to speakers of other languages, so, you know, getting up and talking in front of people and making it seem like I know what I'm talking about, that's, uh, that's a skill I've had to learn. So, um, And really the whole point that I wrote these articles is – you know, we're all one human family. And um, from the Mormon perspective, we are all literal brothers and sisters, in addition to, you know, figurative, figurative brothers and sisters, uh, children of God. You know, we may different differ in who we think that God is. But um, at the end of the day, there's a lot more that unites us and we have in common than what divides us. And the things that are, that divide us usually end up being silly things that there's just no, no point in fighting over them. 
And the whole point of the articles that I wanted to, or the reason I wrote them was, was twofold. One, to, to show Mormons or, you know, Latter-day Saints, um, that's what they prefer to be called, but everybody knows them as Mormons, so I'll, I'll use both throughout the show. Um, it's to, to show them of the, the foundation that anarchy and voluntarism already has within their faith, both scripturally um, and doctrinally and throughout the, the way their church, their organized church functions uh, as, a, as a, we see it today. But also to to kind of reconcile the the non Mormons, whether anarchists or not, but specifically the the non Mormon anarchists, Christian or otherwise, to see that there's a lot that they can have in common with Mormons through that uh, lens of anarchy and voluntarism. Once both sides are made to see just how heavy a foundation those things already have within Mormonism as we know it, um, again, doctrinally and scripturally. So the whole point is to bring people together and and see the, the things they have in common and see each other as, you know, friends and uh, instead of enemies or opposition that they, you know, have to fight in some way. Well, I think it's important to just have conversation. Yeah. Because I, mean, I think when you sit down and have a conversation with something, it's, it's if you if you just sit there and do it, you realize you have a lot more in common with folks than you know. Mm-hmm. We could dis- dismiss one another without knowing anything about the other person. That's so silly to me. Why don't we just sit down and have a conversation? It doesn't do any good. It's, it's childish to me to, to behave that way. So just for clarification, and, you, and I asked you before we started recording too, you, you no longer participate in the Mormon church or you kind of do or you, you kind of explain it to me. Maybe explain that. And then I want to get you to give us some background of yourself to tell us tell us who Casey is so uh, so people know who Casey is. So, yeah, I was raised Mormon. Um, I um, am, how old am I now? I'm about 39. Um, So, you know, most of my life I grew up in that Mormon sphere. Um, I was in California, though, so uh, things are very different in Utah itself. Um, There's, you know, in in Utah and Idaho and kind of that surrounding inner uh, western area, Mormonism is more like a, it's a faith, but it's also a culture that uh, people live on a day-to-day basis. Whereas, you know, California Mormons and, and, and Mormons outside of, of the, the Utah bubble, as it's called, um, it's, you know, it, it's a very different experience. So I grew, I grew up LDS. Um, I don't really, I haven't attended actively for probably five, six years now. I've kind of you know, for my own personal reasons, put a, uh, I guess you could say a wall of separation between me and the organized church, so to speak, for, again, my own purposes, which are many. Um, but I still live the the teachings and the doctrines that are found in the LDS scriptures in my daily life as best as I can, because in my mind, they are or they um well, yeah, they they are they are anarchy or they are voluntarism, and so just as I, you know, I try to put, I try to live those things in my daily life as best as I can in every situation, apply those principles to every situation that I, I meet with in my life. So, am I actively going to to church? No, but then again, I heard heard on you know one of your last episodes, neither are you, and I, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, church for for people is very different. Uh, you know, it looks different for every individual. 
Yeah, well, mentioned that you mentioned me not going to church. I went here not too long ago. I went once to a non-denominational church to check it out. I mean, I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. My, my thing with church is, I, I don't know if it has something to do with how far down the road I've gone with uh, anarchy and, and studying the early church and stuff. Like, I would be so much more comfortable sitting in my living room with a bunch of other believers and, and worshiping that way. Yeah, same. Than going to an organized thing that you know is set up and it's all to me it's just a like the show sometimes and i just it just doesn't appeal to me anymore it doesn't mean that i that i don't want to be around other believers because i don't i don't want i don't want people to get that that perception of me either i, I do want to be around other believers i like being able to have conversations with other christians it's just i don't know man it's just i don't i don't necessarily i don't feel like i need church to keep to to, to be grounded or to keep my faith either if that makes sense well, you you said you said the key word conversation in church. There's not much of a conversation. It's just you know people. And same thing in the LDS faith. You know, there's no active pastor that's paid. It's 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 the individual members getting up almost in a way, kind of like Quakerism, um, where you know Quakers in their meetings they were called if they felt they were called on the spirit by the spirit to to speak they would say whatever. It's kind of similar in a way. It's the lay members getting up who uh, give sermons basically and in either situation there's not really a conversation like you said it's just somebody speaking to you and let you listening and again it's for some people some people find benefit from that um people like you and me i think we do things better either in smaller uh, groups in more familiar settings where we're actually discussing things instead of just having somebody vomit something all over you well, yeah, I mean, and two, I'm a single guy. Yeah. And a lot of the times when you go to church, it's really family-oriented, driven-type sermons and stuff. And that's fine. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. But it, sometimes I feel out of place. Like, I don't have any kids either. So I'm kind of just there <laughs> listening to them talk about their families. But and don't get me wrong. I love the fellowship. I love getting to meet new people. I'm a, I'm a social butterfly by nature. And so getting to meet new people is, is fun for me. Now, at the same time, I like to sit in my living room, hang out with my cats and not talk to anybody. <laughs> so don't, I can go either way. I can go one one extreme or the other. But yeah, go ahead and um, go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself. And then we'll, we'll start on your first article you sent me. And then we'll kind of let you break that down for us. Well, what's to say about me? Um, like I said, you know, I was raised LDS. I, I don't really actively attend, but it still has a very prominent uh, feature in my life and the way I live my life and interact with people. You know, in terms of what makes me, me, um, I'm an anarchist, although I am a recent convert to anarchy. And we can we can talk about that a little bit later if you want. But for me, it was a very long, struggled conversion. Actually, I'd like to talk about that now because sure. I mean, I'm always fascinated to hear people's conversion into anarchy. If, if, if you want to sure. kind of tie that into your your background, just do that as well. Because yeah. I love hearing these stories because I, it's always fun for me to hear, especially since you're new to it. Well, and the very the very people I wrote these articles for was me. You know, I, I am living proof that you can change and you can learn to see um, the anarchy and voluntarism is the way and that it really is Christ's way. Um, I started out as, you know, in my younger days, I was, I thought it was cool to be apolitical. So I didn't think about politics at all. I thought it was stupid. 
Manny eventually, you know, I, the whole, uh, I remember the, the first, uh, Ron Paul, you know, 2008 when he was up on the, the presidential debates, um, and the whole, once the whole tea party thing kind of got, got it going, um, I kind of got more into the, the, you know, constitutional conservatism kind of like, like you, um, and then kind of progressed my way into libertarianism. And I was a strong, uh, minarchist libertarian for a good 10 years or so until COVID hit and COVID really showed me you cannot trust anybody with any amount of power over anyone else and that there is no political solution to that problem. It's just going to keep growing and growing and growing no matter how much you try to shrink the, the so-called state, you know, and it showed me that we needed to put the power back where it belongs with the individual and keep it there. You know, I was, uh, I was a status kind of like Larkin says about, they, about himself as well. He was a status for so long. You know, we were, I think we were all, um, uh, fooled or misguided by the propaganda that we've had, uh, hammered into our heads from, Day one, basically, especially, you know, going through public school and whatnot, that the state is good, the state is benevolent, and it is there for your good and to protect you and to, to keep order and to keep things from degenerating into mob rule, whereas that's exactly what the state is, is mob rule. And it took me a long time to realize that it took COVID to show me you really can't trust anybody with power. And it took me listening to finally uh, being humble and humbling myself and saying, okay, I'm going to listen to these anarchists like uh, Michael Malice and, you know, people like that and see what they have to say and see if they really make sense. And it did. I was, I can pinpoint specifically a, a Michael Malice um, episode he did with uh, Andrew Heaton on his uh uh, podcast. Um, I don't remember the name of it, political orphanage, I think. And after that interview, I was like, okay, you know what? They, they make sense. They got it. You got me. I'm converted. I don't know if you're noticing me grinning like a possum right now, because <laughs> I love that. It reminds me of a, of a conversation way back when COVID first started. When, and uh, my friend, Chris Polk, he was doing a, a podcast. It's an unbeliever podcast. He's no longer doing it. He's, he's, he's on to something else with his side. Uh, his business podcast, but he had me and my friend Abby on the show. And I remember telling both of them, I said, I really think the government screwed this up and they're going to convert a lot of people into anarchy without them knowing they're going to do it. And that's why I've been so, like, just like you, that's why I've been grinning this entire time listening to you tell that story. But anyway, go ahead. I didn't mean to interrupt, but I had to, uh, I had to interject there and be like, this is fantastic. Cause like, I knew this was going to happen. <laughs> that's, Kind of some of the one of the messages of Mormonism in in that in their scripture is that through trial and hardship and suffering and oppression, you make converts to whether it's you know to Christ Himself or you know to His ways. Um, people are able when they're going through hard times like that, they're able to they're able to humble themselves. You know whether they're humbled by, by things around them and they're forced to be humbled or they voluntarily say, okay, I've had enough. You know, there's gotta be something else out there than what we're doing. 
you know, it's the same, the same result. So silver linings, you know, it, it sucked to have to go through it, but at the same time, in a lot of ways, um, I think both of us and many other people are, are better people for it. Well, you know, at the beginning of, of COVID too, I was, I wasn't, I haven't been an anarchist as long as a lot of people have, you know, I mean, I really didn't, I moved to Memphis in 2018 and I was still, I would consider myself a statist. I was like you, the constitutional constitutional conservative type, moving into libertarian circles, right? And then running into anarchists and stuff. And so the the whole COVID thing, man, like you said, it really it really kind of pushes people over the edge. Like, all right, enough is enough. It's something I was mentioned. I talked to Larkin Rose about on the neg- on the episode we recorded last night about it, the movie Jones Plantation. I said, you just you get to a point where you're just enough is enough. People were losing their livelihoods. People were losing. They were, they needed to put food on the table because they're hungry. They needed to feed their kids, and then all of a sudden that 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 is taken away. And I've mentioned this on the show before too. You know, not too far from where I live, there was a couple of teachers. They were married to one another. They lost their teaching jobs, or they got shut out of the schools. Right, everything was locked down. They ended up committing suicide. Because they didn't know where their next paycheck was coming from. They had kids. And none of that stuff's talked about. That's what's so infuriating to me sometimes. Like people want to talk about certain things, but they talk, they, you know, and, and the more stuff's coming out about COVID now, you realize it was all a bunch of garbage. It wasn't near as bad as everybody's making it out to the people that were dying from it. It was like the flu, man. It happens all the time. That's what was so surprising to me. And But they, nobody wants to talk about the suicide rate that it, that excelled. I mean, it was crazy. I mean, my own brother passed away from drinking himself to death because he'd shut himself into his apartment. He was terrified. He bought into all of it. Nobody wants, nobody talks about that stuff. And that's, I talk about it as much as I can because I, I want people to remember that because the next thing that comes along, whether it's another COVID lockdown or, which I don't, I really don't, people don't buy into that bullshit again because you know what I'm saying? But it, there's going to be another thing. And I hope people will be like, no, <laughs> No, I'm not doing this again. You can't tell me what to do. Anyway, I keep keep interrupting you. <laughs> I have my own COVID horror story. I, I lost my job trying to fight a vaccine mandate, trying to do the job that the, the union refused to do because I was teaching at a community college. And, you know, from the very beginning, I, I have Tourette syndrome. I, I couldn't wear a mask because of my Tourette or a face shield. Kind of like, you know, you, you, you were talking about how you, you get super claustrophobic. Well, Masks and face shields, um, you know, if they're torture for 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 the average person, for people with Tourette, they're like a hundred times torture. And I was segregated from the college campus community for you know over a year with their mask mandates. They they were supposed to have uh, exemptions, you know, disability exemptions because Tourette's is an ADA um, a disability, recognized disability, but they didn't and. Anyway, I, you know, I could I could go into uh, uh, a whole bunch of you know the whole story, but it's a long story, and I have my own COVID hor- horror story. And if it weren't for me having the support network of my parents and family, I could have been one of those uh, those suicides. I mean, it it really got me depressed, and I'm in California, and even though I'm in a a, a, a less populated area, California, I mean. I couldn't go anywhere because nobody would let me in. And I was afraid they would call the cops and seeing all the, the cop violence that was going on throughout those years. Um, 
whether it was protests or just seeing all the cop violence of people enforcing the mask. I thought, you know, for sure, if a, if a cop got called my situation, I'd be dead because I couldn't hold still if a cop, you know, tried to, to handcuff me or anything like that. My ticks would flare up. They didn't view that as, um, you know, stop resisting and they'd push even harder, which would make my ticks, you know, go even harder and I'd be, I'd be dead. That's, that's what went through my mind. So it was, it was, it was, it was psychological torture. It was really hard, but anyway. Yeah. And you're in California. You said, dude, I can imagine, you know, the stuff that I saw, I've never been to California, the stuff I saw on the news, you know, coming out of California and what, what was happening there with the government. I was like, man, that is unreal. And you understand why people were fleeing that state. People were fleeing states like New York and stuff. You know, I live in Tennessee and Tennessee as there's a lot of, New people in Tennessee because of the COVID thing. Probably from so, California. I'm not saying Tennessee was great on it. And I mean, they did some lockdowns here too. And, and Memphis is super liberal. So there was a lot of, they really pushed it here. But Tennessee finally passed a law that said you cannot force somebody to get a vaccine. You know, when Biden did his uh, executive order in Tennessee, you can't do that here. And I mean, I battled work with that stuff. I was like, yeah, I don't care what the federal government's saying. And we're going to get into the Constitution here a little bit because you sent me a piece that you wrote about how the Mormons and the constitution, how they view it as God inspired. And I've heard that a lot from, you know, just your regular Christian nationalists. But anyway, but, but the state of Tennessee said, no, you can't do that. I told the work, I said, it doesn't matter what the federal government says. According to the United States constitution, the Tennessee law supersedes federal law. And it's not even a federal law. An executive order is not a law. And I was saying this stuff to people at work and they would look at me confused. It, it, it blows my mind how people are so ignorant to some of this stuff. Like I was saying something, I was speaking in a foreign language. They'd never taken the time to read some of this stuff. Not saying I'm a supporter of the United States Constitution, but I had to revert back to some of my status ideals to talk to people, meet people where they're at. And then talking to HR at work and talking to my supervisors at work and stuff. I was like, I'm not doing this. You know, then people were threatening to walk out and stuff. And finally they backed off. Like, I think enough people were like, we ain't doing it. And you know, some people did. And by all means, if you want to get 17 shots, have a ball. It's your body. Wear 30 masks if you want. 37 masks. I don't care. It's none of my business. Just don't tell me that I got to do it. That's where, that's where I kind of started bucking is like, I don't really care what another person does, but when you tell me that I got to do something that I'm not comfortable doing, we're going to have a problem. And I'm going to be very loud and vocal about it. And I, and I appreciate a lot of people that were vocal about it and kind of pushing back about it, you know, and we're seeing now that we were right all along. Exactly. And, and sadly, it doesn't matter. Nothing, nothing's going to come of it. I'm never getting my job back. You know, I had to burn bridges, unfortunately, with that and I had to threaten legal action against them. And, you know, uh, unfortunately, the satisfaction we get in, in being right, there's really, at the end of the day, is, you know, the people that did all those things, they're, they're, they're never going to have anything happen to them. And at least they're never out to pay for it in this life. I think in the next life they will, I think, you know, they'll be judged for what they did in, in this. Life. Oh, they're going to have to answer for it. I promise you they're going to have to answer for it. Now what that looks like, I don't know. And yeah. we can get into hell or whatever if you want to, but I don't know what it looks like. They're going to answer for it. Everybody's going to answer for some of the stuff they did, you know, and some of the stuff. If not in this life in the next. Yeah. You know, I, I'm, I'm with you. I don't think anything's going to happen to any of them. I mean, the state protects the state 100%. You were mentioning the cops earlier. That was one of the last things for me to finally let go of as an anarchist was like, I don't know, man. I kind of don't know why we don't need cops. And then the, what I was seeing from the cops at 
during the COVID stuff, I was like, oh, I can't support this anymore. These guys are not our friends. They're not our friends. And I, I mean, I train jujitsu. I train with cops in jujitsu, right? I don't talk to them about it. Now, if they bring it up, I have no problem talking to them about it. They can't arrest me in jujitsu. <laughs> they might catch me out on the streets of Memphis somewhere, but they can't arrest me in that gym. Hey, folks. We have set up a very simple way to donate to the Bad Rubber Project through SpotFund.com. Just go to SpotFund and search No King But Christ. This has become necessary to continue to provide a quality podcast and keep production costs down as well. Just five or ten bucks a month will go a long way in helping us keep this project going and continue spreading the very basic message of No King But Christ. So if you like what we were doing and can find it within your budget, go to SpotFund.com and search No King But Christ and you can set up monthly donations or even donate one time. Any and all donations help more than you know. And as always, any donations above production costs will go directly to charities in Memphis, Tennessee. Thank y'all so much. Now back to the show. When I was reading your articles, like I told you, I said, it's so foreign to me. Like, I don't know what DNC means. And maybe you can kind of explain some of this to me and, you know, for the listener too, because I I think it's going to be foreign to a lot of people anyway, too. But Maybe do that, and then we'll talk about how you how you see anarchy in the Book of Mormon. And I like what you said in, in, in one of your first articles. You said, "Is the Book of Mormon a bastion of anarchy?" You said, "Far from it," but you said there is anarchy in the Book of Mormon. Where I when I read the Bible, especially the New Testament, well, even the Old Testament, I, I see anarchy all through it. Like I don't, I don't, I, I can't read it without seeing anarchy in it. Okay, so I'm 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 kind of curious, like like you said, it's it's is it a bastion of anarchy? You said far from it. So I'm kind of curious what what you see as anarchy. But before we get into that, maybe explain what you just said because I'm kind of I'm, hold my hand and carry me along here and, and help me out with this because I'm like I said, it's pretty foreign to me. Okay, so within Mormonism, um, you know Mormons believe in the Bible. Um, they uh, embrace it as, you know, it's, it's the ministry of Christ. Um, and they typically, uh, use the King James Bible as their, their main translation. Um, but you know, I don't think they're opposed to other translations. Um, beyond that though, you have, um, the book of Mormon and then, uh, the doctrine and covenants, AKA the DNC. And then a final book, which is called the Pearl of Great Price. Now, the Book of Mormon is essentially another testament of Jesus Christ to the inhabitants of the Americas. Now, basically, what the Book of Mormon involves is um, some people from the old world in Jerusalem fleeing uh, the the sacking of Jerusalem that would come. Um, So this is around the time of King Zedekiah and um, uh, the the Babylonian um, sacking um, that happened around 600 something AD um, or, you know, thereabouts. So it involves uh, a guy named Nephi and his father, Lehi, and his family fleeing what would come because of the wickedness of Jerusalem, um, which, you know, I view as the, the people of Jerusalem harming each other and, you know, aggressing against each other and basically, you know, killing each other and murdering each other and um, thieving and, you know, basically living under a state of society. So Nephi, Lehi and his family flee and eventually make their way to the Americas 
uh, by boat and their descendants become uh, the, the Nephites and the Lamanites. The Lamanites and the Nephites are at odds with each other because, you know, most of the time the Nephites live the ways of, of Christ and his teachings and um, the, the Lamanites do not. And so the Lamanites are always trying to attack and aggress against the Nephites, but not always. There's times where the Nephites are the wicked society and the Lamanites are the righteous ones. So basically it's about the old world peoples migrating over to the Americas somewhere. Nobody really knows where and um, enmeshing themselves into the societies that were already there at the time. And it's about Christ coming and, and ministering um, to those peoples um, at the just after his crucifixion. And I don't remember if it's before his resurrection or after his resurrection. I want to say it's after the resurrection. But it's basically what you see in the Bible, like with the, the Sermon on the Mount. It's, it's in the Book of Mormon. So it's the same message, only different places. So that's basically the, the, the Book of Mormon, um, just figure the Bible of the Americas. Um, the Doctrine and Covenants is, um, so Joseph Smith um, supposedly reorganized and brought back the church that had fallen away, you know, during the, the fall you know, kind of, kind of like after after the church uh, became the state religion of Rome and everything, supposedly the, the truth was taken away from the earth or something like that. And it was reorganized in around 1828, 1830 Joseph, by Joseph Smith. And anyway, long story short, whether that's true or not, that's the, you know, the conversation for a different time. But the Doctrine and Covenants is a series of modern day revelations from God through Joseph Smith as prophet to the people of at that time in the 1800s. And um, so that's kind of what that is. It's, it's a modern day revelation for modern day people in their modern day situations. Same messages, same Christian principles, different time, different place. And then the Pearl of Great Price is supposedly a translation of uh, a, a more in-depth translation of um, the books of uh, Moses and Abraham. Um, and you can see some overlap if you read some of the books in the Apocrypha. Supposedly, Joseph Smith, there was a guy traveling around with uh, some, some mummies and papyri in the 1830s sometime, and he came through Kirtland, Ohio, where the, the, the Mormons were having their, uh, that's where they were, you know, where they were gathering and they built their temple, their first temple. And um, this guy came through and supposedly Joseph Smith recognized the papyri as translations of books that Moses had written and Abraham had written. And it, it just kind of gives uh, more in-depth detail of things that uh, happen in Genesis. Um, you know, it talks about uh, Melchizedek and his Zion society and, um, Oh, I, I can't remember off the top of my head, but it kind of goes into more detail of the flood and why the flood happened, which again, I find anarchy in that story um, or anarchy principles. Let's put it that way. So that's kind of what the rundown of the basic LDS scriptural canon and what they are. I know it's not you know complete, but hopefully that kind of brings listeners at least up to speed a little bit and understanding um, what each thing is. And the whole point of, of the scriptural canon for the LDS um, believers is that 
they all complement each other. They're they're not supposed to to contradict. It's all the same message of Christ and His ways and learning to live like Christ, just to different peoples in different times and different areas. So if you if you find you know if you find a lot of inspiration in the Bible, I promise you you'll find a lot of inspiration in the Book of Mormon and in the DNC. You know, is everything going to make sense to you? Is is everything going to register with you? Maybe not, but you're going to you'll be reading something that you'll be very familiar with. And especially because Joseph Smith was highly influenced by the King James Bible. And I mean that's what he grew up on. So, and in he he at one point he was uh he was uh he believed that Presbyterianism was was the church was God's true church until he read um uh, in James, I can't remember if, if is there is there one or two uh, epistles of James. I think there's just one. Don't <laughs> I think there's just one. But <laughs> I just had to open up my Bible to make sure because I don't remember off the top of my head. It's one of the epistles where it says, "If any of you lack wisdom, ask ask God." Basically, whatever whatever wherever that is in James. Um, there's just there's too many names and too many too many books and stuff like that. You know, unless I have the things in front of me. I, my, my mind just gets scatterbrained sometimes. But anyway, that, you know, that, so if you read them, you'll find a lot of, um, a lot of things that you'll be, you'll be nodding your head with an agreement saying, yep, yep, yep. And you'll find some things that you're like, oh, I, I don't understand that, but that's okay. So in terms of, you know, what I was saying about is the Book of Mormon a bastion of anarchy? No. What I meant by that is that is there actual anarchic societies in the Book of Mormon stories? I think I think there are. There are situations where that did happen, but there's also stories of of government, and um, I think those the the purpose the story uh, of having those stories of government was my personal interpretation was to show kind of like what um, God said would happen to the Israelites in, in first Samuel eight. If, if they adopted monarchy, you know, these are the oppressions that would happen. And if you look at the, the, the flow of, of statism that goes on in the book of Mormon societies in the Americas, as you go through the book, you see that same principle of once they adopted a King, they, um, not all their kings were righteous, and they had some really, really bad douchebag um, tyrants. And they learned from that experience: okay, monarchy is not the way to go. So they instituted um, a, a democratic system of judges. And even then, that was hijacked by um, you know murderers and thieves, and crashed through them uh, misabusing. Um, that system. And then eventually when Christ came and taught the peoples of the Americas his way, um, I personally believe he, he instituted, he instituted anarchy or a society of anarchy under his principles. And they existed that way for four generations until, you know, they, for the, the, the fourth generation forgot the ways and they turned to the statism again. You know, Wayne, douchebag is a really nice 
thing is the nicest thing you can say about a tyrant, by the way. Probably. I, <laughs> probably. Anyway, go ahead. I was sitting there thinking, I was like, I could call him a whole, whole lot worse, I think. Yeah, <laughs> I, we could come up with a lot more colorful language. But again, if we're trying to keep it clean. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, I'm not trying to say that that the people, the the peop, the societies that are found in the Book of Mormon and their their history, that they were all anarchists and that they um, they lived under anarchy the entire time. That's not the, the point of what I'm trying to say. And that's why I say, is, is the Book of Mormon a bastion of anarchy? No, it's not. But what it is, is you can find the principles of anarchy and voluntarism all throughout the stories that um, are told through each book of the Book of Mormon, uh, almost as a way of parables, I guess you could think of it. You know, think of the stories in the Book of Mormon as parables showing how to live life in relation to other people with your daily interactions with other people. And that's where the principles of anarchy come through. So does that make sense? Sure, sure. Yeah. And and I, I wrote down in my notes here, too, in, in, in the first article, you, you mentioned DNC 121, 39 through 45, DNC 58, 27 through 29, and then you uh, mentioned DNC 134. Maybe if you want to touch on those a little bit or it, 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 what you see, because, I mean, you listed those on purpose to as examples of anarchy in the Book of Mormon. So maybe touch on those if, if, if you got it fresh in your mind. We can talk about that. And then I want to get to that last article you sent me about befriending the Constitution. I think that's a very interesting uh, piece. Yeah. So again, what, what I'm, what I'm kind of doing is I'm, is, is ultimately I'd like to look at the principles of anarchy and voluntarism throughout all of the LDS scripture. And I'm kind of starting with the book of Mormon and, and going through chapter by chapter um, and looking at the principles of anarchy that can be found in each chapter uh, through the stories that are told. And you know, eventually I'd like to, to get through the whole scriptural canon, but I bring up, um, Doctrine and Covenants, uh, or DNC 134 and 98, um, and 101. Those are, as well as Article of Faith 12, those are major hurdles that, um, Mormons have to be able to get over in order to, and learn to see in a different light and interpret in a different way in order for them to see the, and truly understand the principles of anarchy that are found throughout the rest of the scriptures. Um, so before people can start reading uh, the Book of Mormon and, 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 and really having the principles of, the, of anarchy jump out right in their face, they have to get over some of their, um, their statist uh, mindsets. And to do that, they have to get over some of the, the things that are said in those particular sections in Doctrine and Covenants 134, as well as 98 and 101, and um, the Article of Faith 12. So DNC 134 is basically, it's, it's Mormonism's supposed um, ideas about human government and what they believe about human government. And, and, and DNC 101 and 98 kind of uh, supplement those things Um Kind of like what you said, they go into a little bit more specifically about the Constitution and uh, befriending the Constitution. And um, those are hurdles because they say things in there or they are commonly interpreted to mean that uh, human government is good 
and we need human government to um, to avoid chaos and, and violence, and that human government is instituted of God. But for me, that's problematic because if you if we go into DNC one thirty four, um, it's again it's a long section. I'm not going to read it all, but I'll read a, a couple verses and kind of explain why it's problematic. Let's see if I can find it. Here we go. So the first verse of, of DNC 134 says that we believe that governments were instituted of God for the benefit of man, and that he holds men accountable for their acts in relation to them, uh, both in making laws and administering them for the good and safety of society. Um, verse two says, we believe that no government can exist in peace except such laws are framed and held inviolate as will secure to each individual the free exercise of conscience, the right and control of property and protection of life. And then it goes on, you know, uh, if you, if you read the articles in full detail, obviously, you know, I lay out the, the arguments a lot uh, more clearly and, you know, we're under a time constraint, so can't go into everything right now, but I see some problems in those two verses alone that, show me that there's some inconsistencies, either inconsistencies in these verses, or we have to look at them, we have to learn to look at them in a different way. Um, the first one is that no government can exist in peace except such laws are framed and held inviolate as will secure each individual their, their rights. What government is that? Has there ever been a human government in the history of humanity that has ever secured those rights? I'll eat your hat if you can find one. Exactly. Exactly. The whole purpose of government, government is aggressive, coercive violence. And it has to be in order to sustain itself because it has to steal money from people to keep its power and keep its, and it has to lie to people um, to get them to believe that they're looking out for their best interests and everything. You can't have your rights to property and conscience and life protected under any government because they violate those rights every single day in order for themselves to exist. So that's kind of the first problem I see in that section. You can't have those rights secured and have peace under any form of human government. So if we accept the premise that human government is violence and coercion and aggression, and that it necessarily has to be in order for it to exist, how can that be of God? How can God, who is a peaceful um, parent of humanity, who gave us our freedom to choose, how can he create that for the benefit of mankind when governments are consistently um, raping and pillaging mankind in order to exist? What almost sounds to me like a, the, the same garbage we hear from minarchists or libertarians about trying to fix a, a government that is already violent. And just because you think you can get in there and change it doesn't mean you're not become violent at all. I mean, I mean, come on. Just like you said, it, it has to sustain itself by violence. And just because you're a libertarian or a minarchist or whatever, come on. I mean, think about it for a second. I've said this several times on the show, and we'll get into the Constitution here a little bit, that last piece you sent me, but it, it, by our understanding of, of libertarianism, by all accounts, the, the founding fathers of this country were libertarians. And now we've had endless wars, and we've got Joe Biden as president now. I mean, come on. I mean, you're telling me that you can go there and, and do something different when, they, when Thomas Jefferson and, and folks like that were there like, 
doing this, and now we've got Joe Biden. Even they couldn't do it. And yeah, at some point, you got to be like, oh, this is horseshit. Yeah. And that, that's and I'm talking to libertarians, and I'm talking to minarchists, I'm talking to constitutional conservatives, classical liberals, liberals, all of them. You can't go fix this. This is too far gone. And that's what, listening to you talk about that, that's what I was sitting there thinking. I was like, this sounds like a bunch of minarchist horseshit to me. Yeah. And you know what? It makes sense. And that's, that, that's, that's my interpretation of it. Either, either it's trying to show us that you cannot support human government and have peace and protect the viol- the, the, the rights of humanity uh, like there's a, you know, a, a hidden message or not a hidden message, but a message deep inside there that it's trying to convey, or it was written by a fallible human being who was not raised in a cultural vacuum, namely Joseph Smith, who grew up in the early Republic, which was a time of uber chest thumping patriotism of look how great we are America and our free institutions and government and stuff like that. Um, there's just something amiss that doesn't make sense in those verses. So that's one of the hurdles that kind of has to, and, 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 and in this section, DNC 134, it mentions anarchy by name. So verse six of DNC 134 says, we believe that every man should be honored in a station, rulers and magistrates as such, being placed for the protection of the innocent and punishment of the guilty and to the laws all men owe respect and, and deference. As without them, peace and harmony would be supplanted by anarchy and terror. That sounds like propagandist, um, status propagandist bullshit to me right there. Um, which, you know, it shows me that Joseph Smith at his time didn't understand what anarchy was. And who can blame him? I mean, he was being raised in in the early republic where, you know, they, were, they thought they were the most free people in the world. And... Um, to his credit, you know, anarchy, if it was even being used as a word at that time, you know, it, it, it's it's easy to understand how he would be influenced by the culture he was raised in to write something like this. So either the the scripture itself is misguided in places, or it's 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 trying to teach us something uh, something about human government that we need to consider. Um, so anyway, the the. DNC 134 is a, is a major hurdle for most Mormons to be able to um, overcome in order to see the, the the anarchic principles throughout the rest of the scriptures. And so in the article, I kind of go through that and I highlight some of the problems with that section and kind of get them to see, okay, Christ teaches about throughout the rest of the, the scriptures, whether it's Bible, Book of Mormon, DNC, um, Pearl Great Price, he teaches that we are all our own you know, our own masters, so to speak. When you hear somebody misuse the word anarchy, does, do, do, do the hair on the back of your neck start bristling like mine does? Now. Now, <laughs> okay, now yeah. Because like when you go back and read, I don't know if you're familiar with Leo Tolstoy, but you go read some Tolstoy stuff about anarchy as Christian anarchy. There's no other way a Christian should behave other than anarchism now when you understand what it means. Exactly. And so anyway, I, I keep interrupting you, but I, well, I was sitting there thinking that when you when the way they misuse the word, it drives me crazy. And I, I went on a rant one time in the break room at work about it because <laughs> Sean Hannity and Donald Trump are calling anarchy and the, on the streets of, you know, all the riots and stuff. I'm like, that's not anarchy. Yeah, exactly. Anyway. Well, now it raises the the hair on the back of my head, but I was one of those people. I was one of those people who used to believe that, that anarchy was 
the the mob violence and the chaos and no rules and where it's the exact opposite anarchy is rules that you live in your own life and you apply in your own life and that's what keeps the peace and those rules are you don't harm other people you don't aggress against other people and everything any interactions you have with others is done on a voluntary uh, agreement basis um so yeah but I used to be one of those people who who sincerely believed the propagandist crap of uh, that the status put out about what anarchy is. Me too. I found the 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 other section. So there's a section in um, the Doctrine and Covenants that says um, it's in uh, DNC 121 that says we have learned by sad experience that it is the nature and disposition of almost all men. As soon as they get a little authority, as they suppose, they will immediately begin to exercise unrighteous dominion. No power or influence can or ought to be maintained by virtue of the priesthood, only by persuasion, by long-suffering, by gentleness and meekness, and by love unfeigned, by kindness and pure knowledge, um, etc., etc. Now, taking those verses and and juxtaposing that with what we just read about human government being established by God for the benefit of humanity, uh, they just are in exact opposition to each other. And those are the principles of anarchy that you, that I see throughout all of the LDS scripture. And we have to overcome some of the, the, the status propaganda that is in other scriptures like DNC 134 and um, 98 and 101. Okay. So let's, you just mentioned 98 and 101 and that's kind of uh, is a good segue into the, uh, the third piece that you sent me. It's the anarchy and DNC 98, four through eight yeah, and 101, 76 through 80 befriending the constitution. Mm -hmm. So, and, and I'm curious, does the LDS believe that the constitution is a work of God? Cause I've heard this same garbage from, Christian nationalist, you know, like I told you before we started recording that I get hit with, well, our country was founded on Christian principles. No, it wasn't. It was founded on theft and murder. I mean, there's no way around it. And that is exactly contrary to the teachings of Christ himself. And you call yourself a Christian and you believe that garbage. I don't care if these folks were calling themselves Christians or not. And not all of them were. But even like Patrick Henry himself was probably one of the most prominent Christians back in the day, would not sign on to this constitution that everybody espouses. Okay, so I'm kind of curious, is that, does the LDS believe the same thing when I when I hear this from the, from the Christian nationalists? Well, I wouldn't go so far as to say they, they believe it's the word of God, so to speak, but they think that it was established by God. Well, I, and I mean like the work of God, like it was uh, a work. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like the work of God. Oh, yeah. They they definitely believe. And in fact, it, it says in those verses, um, if we if we read those verses in DNC 98, it'll say that in there somewhere that God did establish the Constitution. Um, so in DNC 101, 76 and 77, it says, uh, and again, I say unto you, those who have uh, been scattered by their enemies, it is my will that they should continue to importune for redress and redemption by the hands of those who are placed as rulers and are in authority over you, according to the laws and constitution of the people, which I have suffered to be established and should be maintained for the rights and protection of all flesh, according to just and holy principles. So yeah, 
Mormons really do believe that God did have a, a hand in the American Revolution. And in fact, that's there's there's scripture there's uh, verses in the Book of Mormon that that talk about that as well. Man, I, I I blew Facebook up one morning when I got home from work, and then I went to sleep and I blew it up. You want to you want to upset some uh, some folks that that talk about the Revolutionary War? I said Jesus would not condone any of that that went on, and then I went to sleep. And somebody commented, she's like, Craig blows up Facebook and then goes to sleep after work. <laughs> Because my face, it was blown. When I woke up, I was like, what did I do? <laughs> I just made a comment. I went to sleep and people lost their minds over it because I don't believe that the Revolutionary War was anything of the work of God at all, whatsoever. As much as I like the stuff that Patrick Henry was saying back in the day, and he was all about the revolution, Jesus would not have supported that. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it whatsoever. Yeah, well, and and that that kind of goes into the the purpose of 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 what I wrote on these particular sections in DNC ninety eight and one hundred one, is that how can God have a hand in establishing, kind of going back to what we were saying in in DNC one thirty four as well, how can God have a hand in establishing something that was meant to uh, erect a a power class of people that ruled over others as, as slave masters, essentially. Now, I'm not talking about the slave masters of, you know, chattel slavery. I'm talking about the nation states slave plantation of, you know, everybody else. Uh, we are, and that's what, you know, Larkin's doing with his, his movie is showing how we are just as much slaves as uh, African Americans were uh, literal chattel slaves back in the 1800s and 1700s before that. Say, man, I go back and forth with folks about this too. I said, if you if you are against slavery, and you don't recognize that slavery was expanded to everybody, then you're missing the point here. You're not really against slavery. You're for your version of slavery is what you're doing right now. Yeah. And when you say that to folks, kind of we call them, you know, we call them normies. Like we were both normies at one time. Yeah. And now we're not normies. But when you say when you use language like that with normies air quote normies they kind of look at you out of the side of your eye like you're a psycho psycho like you're crazy making stuff up i'm like think about if you read the definition of slavery and then compare it to how government works it's one and the same man come on it's, just, it's something should click here with you and that's what's so great about larkin's movie whether it's the full-length movie or his you know the 12-minute version uh the cartoon version and I, I've even, uh, I, I, I wrote out, uh, I took some time to, in fact, I'll, I'll have to send it to you, but I wrote out a little uh, spreadsheet comparing um, antebellum slavery and the hallmarks of what made people slaves under that system, and then comparing it to our slavery today. And the two are entirely similar. You know, like you couldn't leave the plantation without permission and passes and permits. You couldn't really do anything without permission and passes and permits as an antebellum slave. Well, hello, is that any different today? Well, no, and you mentioned that you, you, you talk about it when you say something like that too, like when people, I, I love this when people hit me with, if you don't like it, leave it. And go where? And I'm like, wait a second, I can't leave here free. I had to pay to renounce my citizenship as an American. That's not freedom. And first of all, I'm not moving to Somalia 
So I'll become a, a victim of American foreign policy. I'm not doing it. I'd rather sit right here in Tennessee and try to fix things here. Get, try to get people back on the right track. You know, I'm not doing, I'm not going to Somalia, but sometimes I'm thinking maybe Somalia is not so bad compared to some of the garbage we go through here. Yeah. You know, <laughs> we have it good here in some ways, but worse than others, you know, it's like, yeah, I could leave California, but, and then during COVID, I, I, I thought about that. I had this realization. It's like, why, 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 why should I have to leave California when I can just stay here and, and try to improve things in, you know, I may not be able to improve the whole state, obviously. Um, I probably won't even be able to improve my whole, my own little town, but I can improve at least my own little sphere of your neighborhood. Yeah. Exactly. Your neighbor. That's that's. I think that's another thing that people worry. They 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 lose focus when all you got to do is just hang out with your neighbor. Yeah. And then it goes from there. I mean, you exactly. don't have to go running. Like I'm all about missionary work and all that stuff. I get it. But at the same time, we could do it right here. Yeah. And I, I live in Oakland, Tennessee. I could do it right here in my neighborhood of Oakland, Tennessee. Yep. As long as I'm not getting pulled over by the cops for doing thirty to twenty. <laughs> They don't want an anarchist walking up in the court disputing a, a 10 mile per hour over the speed limit ticket. Because I'd be like, this is this is completely immoral. You understand that, right? They don't care. I mean they don't care. We're we that's another thing, like like when we don't recognize that that we're slaves in this own country or that that, that slavery was expanded, we can't do anything freely in this country. I mean, we can't. Let's be let's let's be real. I mean, we're taxed to our knees. That's slavery. That's slavery. Like I'm mean, even Forget just the income tax. Every single other form. The tax on your groceries, the tax on your property, the tax on your vehicle, the tax on your water bill, the tax on... There's taxes on everything. That's slavery. There's no there's no way around this. But, but Craig, you're free to pick your job and to, to go where you want as long as you have that special King sticker on your car. Oh yeah, that's, that's true. I'm, I'm glad I keep my, you have to pay for yeah. it. <laughs> I like what, I like what you wrote too. And in, in this, in this piece too, and I wrote it down. It says, God, a being of peace and individual sovereignty cannot be the author of human government built upon aggressive violence. That's anarchy. Yeah, exactly. Period. Yeah. And if you look at the Mormons have a, a very interesting look at, um, at Satan and Lucifer and how um, what's called the pre-mortal life, you know, earth or life before the, 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 the life we live on earth now. And um, they believe that there was a war in heaven between God and Satan, where Satan tried to not only seek the, the, uh, the, what's the word I'm looking for? The glory of God, but he sought to, 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 to seek his, uh, he, he saw his authority in order to force people to become good and so that they can be guaranteed to come back to heaven or, you know, return to live with God through forcing them to do the right decision. And that's what led to, you know, Satan being cast out is he rebelled in that way by seeking to take away uh, the the free agency of, of humanity. And you can't look at that and the messages in that and the, the the messages of maintaining the individual sovereignty of the human being and then go and say, but we need to also support the Constitution, which gives this group of people power over everyone else to tell them what they can and cannot do in every single aspect of their life. 
you know, I was I read something the other day, and I don't know why it why it surprised me, but it did. And the United States has been at war, and I may be getting the percentage wrong. It was ninety two or ninety three percent of the time of its existence. Oh yeah. And I read that, and I don't know why it surprised me. It's like because I, I mean I knew that there's a lot of wars, but I didn't know it'd been that entire time from its very inception. From I mean, it was at war with the natives, um, in in you know grabbing up all of the land. It was at war with its own people in in trying to control its own people, um, and and subdue them under governments. Oh, but they're Republican governments. Who cares? <laughs> Doesn't matter whether they're Republican or not. They're trying to to subdue them as slaves. Man, I remember when I was a, a, a constitutional conservative. I remember when when I would hear people say democracy, it really bothered me because I'm like, we're a republic, and I'm like, like what you just said. Who cares? <laughs> it's either way. It's a word difference. It's it's wordplay. Yeah, <laughs> there's no difference between the two. And you know, I used to be like you. I used to worship the founding fathers and the Constitution. American Revolution was my thing. And then I kind of had a, a spooner moment where I realized it's all just bullshit. Yeah. It, 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 it's just all just people trying to, to control everyone else and put themselves at top at everyone else's expense. Yeah. And I'm sorry, but that, that can't come from, from uh, an all peaceful, all loving um, God who wants us to be free so that we can choose good like him. And learn to become as him. That's one of my favorite things now to, to, to say on the show. And, and I share with other Christians status when I'm talking to them about, you know, Christian anarchy is when Jesus was very clear when he called them together. And he said, you see how the Gentiles lord and, and rule over one another and the great men dominate them. Mm-hmm. And Jesus said, it will not be so among you. He was talking to us. Yeah. And I, and I, and I remember mentioning this to Larkin the first time I had him on the show and I've read that verse thousands of times, probably. But I also told him, I said, I read the Bible completely different now as an anarchist. I see that I see it completely different now. Mm-hmm. And so when I finally read it as an anarchist, like, oh, <laughs> it would not be so among me. And it would not be so among you. Jesus was not mincing any words. That's one thing I loved about Jesus so much. I love about him so much is that he just did not mince words. It really is what it is. And he left people when people were trying to challenge him and the, and the stuff that he would just ask them questions in return and they couldn't answer it. But then they walked away thinking mm-hmm. they had to think about this. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I think it's I, I think it's a beautiful strategy, by the way, too, because if you're going to ask me a stupid question or try to trap me into something, yeah. let me ask you something in return. And then you come back to me with another question. We'll, we'll go from there. Well, yeah. I mean, that's that's that was Jesus's whole life. The, the Pharisees and the 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 Jewish uh, leadership and elite were trying to entrap them and everything. I mean, that was their whole strategy. And like you said, to to take that and instead ask them a question in return that got them thinking about like the the whole the, the whole story of uh, the woman taking an adultery and she's uh, brought in and he says, um, you know, who, who among you is without sin cast the first stone. I love that. I love that so much too, because you can't beat that. You know, I, I'm convinced that that we that we have modern day Pharisees running around in this world right now. Oh yeah, 100. And I love using that verse on them. Mm-hmm. I'm like, wait a second. So you're going to condemn it? My favorite one is when people get up up in arms about homosexuality. Between them and God, I don't care. I don't care if a person's a homosexual. It's none of my business. Them and God. And if it's a sin, yeah, 
that's between them and God. I'm not without sin, so I can't condemn them. I'm with you. I don't, I'm not convinced it's a sin anymore, but you know, that doesn't get me some pushback. I don't care. I don't really care if a person's a homosexual or not, but I love using that on people. And they're like, well, my, I've heard this. Well, we're trying to keep them from going over the edge, over the ledge. I'm like, what are you talking about? They're just trying to be happy. (laughs) (laughs) And you know what? I lived through prop 22 and prop eight here in California and the Mormon uh, LDS church, which is push on both of those propositions, which again, the LDS church is as a, as an organized church is not without its problems. It, it constantly uses uh, lobbying to achieve its own purposes, you know, through the force of government. And uh, to me, you know, I, I, I feel like there's, there's modern day Pharisees throughout um, even the LDS uh, leadership. And in some ways I kind of view it, you know how when the Hebrews just escaped um, enslavement in, um, in Egypt and they're wandering in the desert and they're kept out, they, they find the promised land, but they are kept out of the promised land. Why? Because of the pride and the stiff nakedness of the older generations among them. And in some ways, I kind of, I think we're going, we we have the same problem. We have some amongst, I don't want to say it's always the older generations, but there are those amongst the powerful and elite who are keeping everybody back um, from the, the so-called promised land by their pride and may, and, you know, sticking to having a state and, and doing things in what I view as the satanic way. You know, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're satanic per se, but, you know, I think they're misguided. And, and it's the same thing when, when Jesus was offered the power over the authority of these kingdoms of this world by Satan himself. And Satan said, I've been given authority over the kingdoms of this world. Jesus did not dispute that. No. And when you point that out to your Christian who's run into the voting booth and trying to run for office and trying to fix the state, you know, all this. And there's a lot of Christians who are libertarians. Now, and I, I point this out, I was like, but you're trying to fix a system that is run by Satan himself, and you are a Christian. Exactly. You are a Christian. Mm-hmm. And Jesus said it will not be so among you. Mm-hmm. It's. I mean, I don't know how much more clear the, the, the scripture can be about how a Christian should live as an anarchist when it comes to, I mean, I made a post on Facebook the other day and it got a lot of traction on Instagram and stuff too. I shared it on, on Twitter. Anarchy is the only political philosophy that a Christian should hold if they want to be consistent in sharing their faith with others. Mm-hmm. You can't tell me you're being consistent by going to rule over your neighbor when Jesus said, not so among you. Exactly. That's inconsistent. And you're, you're you're perverting the message of Christ by doing that, in my opinion. I'm, I get I get a little harsh about this stuff because I think it's time to. Sometimes I want to grab people by their shirt collar, like, listen, man, <laughs> shake them a little bit. This is right here in your face, and it 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 it, it, it man, I don't know. It just it, it really just runs all over me because it's so to me it's so black and white. And I, I don't know if you've heard me say this on the show before or not, but I see very little gray, if any at all, in every situation. I've talked to my mom about it. She goes, you've been that way since the day you were born. So it's not something that I've just, just I've learned recently. Apparently I've always been that way. 
everything is really black and white to me. It is what it is. And that's why I, I like I've loved so much about the teachings of Christ. It really is what it is. It's this or it's not. I think we we are we are able to to kind of get a sense of that uh, frustration and anger that we, you know we just exemplified. You know, imagine how Jesus felt just in teaching the disciples, and you know how often I can't imagine how exhausted he was. Oh my goodness! Can you imagine? And then when they talk to me, read about Jesus taking a nap, I'm like, I get it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Exactly. I get it. And while he's napping, you know, the whole world's going to to hell, you know, with the waves crashing. It's like, yeah, no wonder. He was tired. No wonder. And just, you know, trying to keep the the the, the throng of people away from him. Um, you know, I think he wanted to help everybody, but that mortal, the mortal side of him in terms of he just got exhausted, like you're saying. Well, sure. I mean, he was a human as well. I mean, he's, he, you know, I mean, he was. He was tired. Yeah. And I, like I said, I can't imagine how exhausted he was sometimes. All right. Before I, before we end this, I want to uh, make sure that I did not skip over. So anything else you want to touch on that we've talked about that maybe I kind of interrupted you and you needed to, you wanted to put out there as well. And then I got one more question for you that I want you to plug any of your stuff. Cause I want folks to go and um, even if you're not a Mormon, if you're Mormon and you're listening to this, Go read his stuff. It's pretty interesting stuff. Even if you're not a Mormon, go read it because it's pretty interesting stuff. But anyway, if I if I glossed over anything that you want to touch on, please do it. No, I think we kind of we kind of highlighted the main arguments and the main issues that you know the the reasons why I've I've written what I've written. Um, obviously, you're going to get a, a better, fuller ex, uh, experience in reading the articles. Then you will. I'm, you know, we're limited by time, and we're limited by our, you know, our our failings with uh, our imperfections. Well, your writings are pretty lengthy they too. Are. So I mean, they are. I mean, so it's 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 a good idea for people to just go read it themselves. Yeah. To read all of it because you're going to get more out of it than you're going to get out of this podcast. But I want what I wanted to do is get you on the show and introduce people to this 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 perspective. Yeah. So they could go read it themselves. And I've got one more question. Have you got have you had any feedback from any other Mormons who have read this or is it just, you're, you're still kind of new to it. So I'm, I'm kind of curious if it's just too brand new right now. Well, I mean, I've, I've introduced it to around the, you know, the libertarian community um, through some of my contacts from back in Utah. Um, you know, I've tried to get the attention of, of people like Connor Boyack and, um, He's the author of the the Tuttle Twins, um, but uh, for the most part, I haven't received a whole lot of feedback other other than I've had I, I, I did have an interaction with um, somebody who I don't know if he's an ex Mormon or if he's just uh, you know kind of like me not not active um, or if he's you know by this point anti Mormon or not I'm not entirely sure who uh, what his stances are but his feedback was that you're going to have a, a hell of a time convincing people of this, convincing Mormons. And I said, I know, I know. <laughs> you're preaching with the choir right now, I man. Mean, yeah, exactly. I, they this had, is the bad Roman project in a, in a nutshell. Yeah. And uh, I mean, I was, I was that person. I, I was that person who, who did not want to be converted until I was put in the situation where I realized, okay, I need to look at things differently and listen to other people. So I had to humble myself. Um, but you know, the, the writings are not 
I have no illusions of grandeur that I'm going to be, you know, converting uh, the the Mormon prophet himself to to any of this. You know, those the leadership. I I, I doubt they're ever going to want have to have anything to do with this. My my the the purpose of of me writing them is for the little people like like you and me um, and and the everyday practicing Mormon to to get them to over a period of time to think to think. And to, to change things over time, kind of kind of like you know Larkin said in, in a, a, a video he put on uh, YouTube uh, just a couple of days ago about how you know people aren't just going to watch his movie and then everything's going to click and they're 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 anarchists and voluntarists you know from then around and then out. Yeah, that's not how it goes. You know, it's it's step by step, piece by piece, and um, that's you know what I hope to get out of out of people reading these uh, articles is to get them to think. And in the very least. My favorite thing that I've heard Larkin say is because he gets pushback when he's like, if he goes on a podcast, it's just, they're like, well, he's a status. He goes, so is 99% of the rest of the, the world too. I know. And we were too. So we were too. I mean, it's not, it's not, I don't, I don't, I'm not, I have no uh, illusion that we're going to see this in our lifetime. No. And I said this over and over on the show too that at least on a vast scale, right? But when I'm dead and gone, the bad Roman project's still going to be there. There's still going to be content that for people can go if they go check it out. You know, it's still going to be there. Mm-hmm. It's on the internet. If the internet goes away, then maybe you won't hear about it. But as long as there's an internet, the project's going to be there. And so I'm not really concerned about changing everybody into an anarchist tomorrow. I just got, I've got a niece and nephew that I kind of adore and I want the world that they grow up in to be better than what we're seeing right now. That's all I'm looking for. And even if it's just an infinitesimal amount better, that's enough. Right. You know, however, I may, I may get these, these writings may just go in one ear and out the other for most people. But at the very end of the day, at least I tried to do my part and I tried to help people understand, and I think that's, I feel that that's important. Nobody can ever accuse you of not trying. Exactly. You only fail when you don't. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's one of the things that frustrates me about people. Just say something. Mm -hmm. You know, and I encourage everybody to start a podcast or write a blog or something. Put your voice out there because people are searching for this, and hopefully, with with the you know the, the the small scale that the bad Roman is on right now, you know it's grown over time. You know we're over going on four years. You know March will be four years, but it's grown. So hopefully people that listen to this and maybe that something's going to resonate with somebody. Maybe if it's just one person. I mean, if I spent this entire time doing a podcast and I reached one person, I was able to change one person's mind about what we're talking about. That's good enough for me. It's like the starfish. The allegory of the starfish, you know, you can't save every single starfish on the beach, but for this one, throwing it back in the water at least makes a difference for that one. Yeah, for sure. All right. So before I let you go, I want you to plug anything you want to, I know you're a musician as well. So maybe you want to plug your, your music, if you want to plug your sub stack so everybody can go find the articles we've talked about today, can read it for themselves. Like I said, they're folks are, they're lengthy. The first one's very, a very lengthy article. It's going to take you some time to get through, but it's worth it. It's worth the read. It, it's pretty interesting. Like I said, I'm, I'm, it's foreign to me, but I've found some value in it myself as a non-Mormon. So I hope Christians listening to this that are not Mormons, 
go check it out. It's, it's, it's interesting stuff, you know, but check it out. Go ahead and plug whatever you want to plug, Casey, and I'll let you get out of here. Okay. Yeah. So I, I apologize for the length. You know, I'm, I'm a wordy no, um, no, no, no. Uh, writer, but the 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 whole thing of the actually you know once the whole thing is finished the the, the looking at the whole book of mormon you know that's going to be quite lengthy i might have to make it into a book or something but that'd be cool um yeah you can find the the articles i've published so far on um my sub stack which is called miss mckenzie's spleen you know i i chose uh, a female as my 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 nom de plume my alter ego so to speak um for writing purposes um, it's at uh, Mackenzie's Spleen, so M-A-C-K-E-N-Z-I-E-S-S-P-L-E-E-N.substack.com. That's where you can find the, the articles that we talked about tonight, um, looking at anarchy in the, the LDS scriptures. Uh, in terms of my music, I am a musician. I'm a, um, a multi-instrumentalist musician. Um, you can find my stuff at Potbelly McCracken. P-O-T-B-E-L-L-Y, and then McCracken is M-A-C-K-R-A-K-E-N dot bandcamp.com, I believe is what it is. I'm on Facebook and as Potbelly McCracken as well. All right, guy. I appreciate this, man. This is fun. I, I was super excited to get this to uh, get to talk to you today. And it's something I've been looking forward to doing. I will probably do this again at some point. Get that, get that book written and maybe we'll... We'll get you on to talk about that as well. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for joining us this week on the Bad Roman Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the show wherever you find your podcasts to never miss an episode. And while you're at it, if you like what you heard, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes. Or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, it really helps people find us. 100% of donations are given to local charities in Memphis, Tennessee. To learn more about The Bad Roman Project and to find show notes, please visit thebadroman.com. Bad Roman.